Okay, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we do thank You now for the wonderful salvation You have provided us with. And Lord, at times believers don't even begin to understand the bounty that You have given us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, many go through life viewing salvation just as a ticket into heaven and trying to deal with life on their own when, Lord, You tell us in Your Word that we have been given everything necessary for life and godliness, that we are complete in Christ, having been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Lord, I pray that as we move forward through this book that more and more we will come to see the riches of Your grace. And Lord, we'll begin to appropriate things that have been ours since the moment we placed our faith in Christ. Lord, we think of the chapter that we started last week and that we want to try to complete this week, the chapter on time. What a critical issue this is. Lord, that we understand the time factor involved in our Christian life, but also in the lives of those around us, especially at times those we're ministering to. Lord, may we not rush things, but may we trust you to move things along at your pace. Lord, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for his work in each of our hearts and lives. I pray that this day he would open the eyes of our understanding to the truths you would have us to learn. First, in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, last week we began in on chapter 2, the chapter on time. Um, we want to try to complete uh, that this week. Again, it's an important principle. And again, these are principles of spiritual growth. They're principles about how God is working in our lives to take us from newborn believers uh, to a point of maturity. And uh, uh, it's important for us to grasp that uh, time factor. And I'm going to review a little uh, and get us up to where we were in the book and then move forward from there. You know, we saw last week it's incredibly important that we realize that God does not hurry in developing us as Christians. He's working from, for, uh, from eternity and for eternity. God created time. Time's not an issue for Him. <clears throat> That's hard for us to understand because we are such creatures of time. But God has the, the big picture in mind. He's looking to the future. He's looking to the day when we will take our place as adult sons in his family. A term that's referred to as the adoption of sons. When we will take our place, the adoption of sons has to do with uh, being put in a position of an adult son. It says all creation's longing for that day, looking forward to that day. And God is moving us in that direction. But it's a 
lifelong process. And you know, last week, I uh, asked for a show of hands and we went, uh, looked around the room and there were people, you know, with anywhere from between five and ten years of, of being a believer all the way up to, uh, I've been a Christian now for 65 years. And we're all at different places in this journey. And it's important for us to understand that. And, you know, at times we, we're bad about comparing ourselves to somebody else. And either looking down on someone who isn't as far along as, as we are, or uh, looking down, uh, being disappointed with ourselves because we aren't where somebody else is, and yet we're all at different places. And, you know, I used the example last week. I said, you know, in the physical realm, you know, when a child enters this world, it's going to take time for them to mature. And the same is true in the spiritual realm. And you aren't going to become a mature Christian in a year. You aren't going to become a mature Christian in two years. You aren't going to become a mature Christian in three years. It's going to take time. And, you know, as I pointed out, with a baby born into this world, you perhaps can slow down their growth. You can stunt their growth if you don't feed them well. You can stunt their emotional growth, but you cannot accelerate things beyond a certain point. You can put them on the best diet in the world, and you are not going to take a newborn baby and in five years have them be an adult. It ain't going to happen. And the same is true in the spiritual realm. We can be stunted in our spiritual growth by not being fed first the milk of the Word and later the meat of the Word. You know, we can be held back in our spiritual growth, but it can't be accelerated beyond a certain point in the sense that it's going to take time. Because it's not just about learning the truths of the Word, but them being worked into into our lives. Now, I pointed out last week, the Christian life often starts out with rapid growth. You'll see a lot of people get saved, and man, for the first few uh, weeks or months, even the first year or so, you'll see them really growing. But then it often slows down. It pretty much always slows down. And it's easy to think something's wrong when nothing's wrong. It's part of the process. You can't keep that rate of growth going. Because God has got to solidify things that have been learned. Solidify them into your lives. Through the things He takes uh, us through. And we pointed out, pointed out that part of the growth process is that we have to come to see ourselves and uh, to know what we are like and to know that we have no strength. 
You know, the young believer has great appreciation for what God has done. And they set out and they say, Lord, I, man, I am so thankful for what you've done for me. Now I am going to get out there and I am going to serve you. And it's well-intentioned. It's just not well-informed. And they go out there and they try their best to serve Him. And along the way, there's failure. And that's not bad. Because somewhere in our spiritual development, we have got to come to see the not I part of the equation. So that we will begin to lean upon the Lord Jesus Christ. To be not only our Savior, our ticket into heaven, but to become our source of everything, our source of life. See, we saw that once we get to know that ourselves and that we have no strength, then we begin to learn to lean upon the the Lord and be able to deal experientially with others in a mature way. But that takes time. Learning to lean upon the Lord in ministry is an important step forward. You know, I used to share with my students, I said, being a teacher would have been the last thing in the world I would have ever chosen. I spent four years in Bible college dreading the fact that as a senior, I would have to give my testimony in chapel. That's how fearful I was of public speaking. And here I am. (laughs) And I enjoy it. But it was a process that the Lord had to bring me through. At FOA, you know, I started getting these opportunities to go out and speak. And for a long time I turned them down. And the Lord really convicted me. And it was kind of like, you know, okay, Lord, if you bring them along, I'll, I'll take these opportunities. And my thoughts were, I'm bad enough at speaking that they'll quit asking me. <laughs> this will resolve the issue. <laughs> and amazingly, I was boring. Jonelle will tell you. Uh, but they kept asking me. <laughs> And I said, you know, the Lord taught me along the way, the not I, but Christ side of this. He said, when I really began to enjoy teaching is when I became aware that it was His work, not mine. And the way He made me aware of that is, you know, I'd prepare and prepare and prepare and I thought I had this really good, and I'd stand up and teach and it seemed like it impacted nobody. And then I'd have another time where I'd get up and I thought, man, I did a horrible job presenting that. And people would come up and say, man, I was really blessed by what you said today. Really spoke to my heart. And I thought, that was the Lord. It wasn't me. 
And along the way, I began to see, this is God's work. I am not a natural born speaker. I really am not. Any good that comes out of, out of my standing up and teaching comes from the Lord. And I've come to love teaching because I love just seeing what God can do through me without my abilities. How He can work. How He can guide. Jonelle know. Jonelle knows how often before I'm getting up to speak, I will pray, Lord, just let me be a bush. Just let me be a bush. Just somebody with no ability other than availability that you want to speak through. But it took me years to come to that point. Years. It took time. And the Lord has blessed me in so many ways over the years. But it's been His work, not mine. Now we saw fruitfulness is the result of growth, not struggle, not experiences. And a lot of people are looking from some experience that's going to, you know, make them fruitful. Now fruitfulness comes through maturity. And maturity takes time. Growth takes time. We've got to be ready for that. Now, we saw last week, to taste of the grace of God is one thing, to be established in it, and to manifest it in character and habit and regular life is another. And you know, early on in the Christian life, oftentimes we get a taste of the grace of God, but that's not enough. God's got to establish us in the provisions of His grace. He's got to work it into our life, into our character, into our habits. And that takes time. Now I think that's about where we got up to last week, if I'm not mistaken. You know, he goes on, we pick up in that statement. Do you know what page it's on, Joe, that in the husbandsman? Okay, because my book has different numbers. It says, in that the husbandman's method for true spiritual growth involves pain as well as joy, suffering as well as happiness, failure as well as success, inactivity as well as service, death as well as life. You know, man, spiritual growth involves some hard things. Yes, in my spiritual development there have been times of joy, but there have been times of pain. There have been those times of great happiness in the Lord, but there's been times of suffering. Yes, I've seen, you know, uh, the Lord bring successes in, in my Christian life, but I've also experienced a whole lot of failures. And there have been 
blessed at times of service. But there have actually been times of inactivity too. There have been elements of death as well as elements of life. And, you know, he points out that, you know, we need to understand this. Because if we don't, (coughs) if we don't see the value of the time element, we'll be tempted to look for shortcuts. He says the temptation to shortcut is especially strong unless we see the value of and submit to the necessity of the time element. In simple trust uh, resting in His hands. Now a lot of Christians are looking for shortcuts. And their, you know, incessant looking for a shortcut actually slows down their spiritual development. Because instead of settling down to feeding on the Word, to getting to know Christ as their life, getting to know Christ as their source. They're always looking for some magic ticket to maturity. And that is counterproductive. It's not out there. I loved working with the young people there at the school. And I I loved doing green letters with them. Because I loved encouraging them, look, just settle down. It's going to be a long journey. But it's going to be a worthwhile journey. Don't make the mistake early on of trying to look for shortcuts. Look to the Lord and say, Lord, I just want to come to maturity. I want to come to know Christ as my life. And I'm willing for that journey to be as long as it needs to be. As long as you bring me to where you want me to be. I'm willing to journey the long road. You know, in travel, I've learned the quickest, um, uh, the shortest distance between two points is the one that doesn't get you lost. Sometimes shortcuts don't end up being shortcuts. And I think the same is true in the Christian life. We know what will get us to maturity. And we can miss out on it by looking for shortcuts. Rick, I just want to give you all an Mm. Uh, one of our students one day she uh, you know I'm just saying how even with them first hearing this uh, in those two years how the Lord used it in their life just to encourage them but she was she had told me we had met together a good good bit her dad was an unbeliever and she's burdened for him so much and um, so one day she started telling me she was going home and she had a plan what she was going to do to get her dad to listen to the gospel. And man, and believe it or not, I didn't say a word. She just started telling me her plan. God does do miracles. (laughs) 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 
So many are looking for him. Now he quotes here uh, from Philippians 1.6, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, the Lord, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The work he's begun, he will continue to do until the day of Christ's return. He says, and dear friends, it will take that long. But since God is working for eternity, why should we be concerned about the time involved? One day we're going to look back and this is a speck against eternity. We think it's a long time. Of course, the older you get, the shorter time seems. Uh, But uh, we think it's a long time. But God's working from eternity. Says Graham Scroggie affirmed, how do you like that name? Uh, good British theologian. Graham Scroggie affirmed, spiritual renewal is a gradual process. All growth is progressive. And the finer the organism, you know, the more detailed it is, the longer the process. It's from measure to measure, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. It is from stage to stage. First the blade, then the ear, and after that the full corn in the ear. Just comparing things to to nature. You know, uh, plants start out. First it's a little blade, then the, the, you know, the ear of corn appears and, you know, it becomes fruitful, but it becomes fruitful over time. He says it's from day to day. How varied these are. He says there are great days, days of decisive battles, days of crisis in spiritual history, days of Christian service, days of the right hand of God being upon us. Boy, those are the days we love. But, he says, but there are also idle days. Days apparently useless. 
when even prayer and holy service seem to be a burden. Are we in any sense renewed in those days? And that's a critical question. You know, we can see that first group of days, you know, we can see how they're significant, how they're important, but we struggle with idleness at times. Days that we can see nothing of value that, you know, that looks like it's of value to us. Days when, when our prayers seem very difficult. I don't know about you, but I've had those days. There are days when prayer is so, you know, you really sense that connection with the Lord. And then there are days when you pray and you just, it just seems like it's going nowhere. And I, you know, by and large have loved our years of service, but there have been days it's been burdensome. says, are we in any sense renewed in these days? Yes. Why? Because he says, any experience which makes us more aware of our need of God must contribute to spiritual progress unless we deny the Lord who bought us. He says, those idle days... Those days when we struggle to pray and where service is burdensome. If those days make us more aware of our need of God, they contribute to our spiritual development. Again, there's two sides to this very important equation. Not I, but Christ. And a lot of what God is doing involves teaching you the not I part. So that you will embrace the but Christ part. You know, elsewhere in in the book, he talks about spiritual growth taking place in two directions. Downward and upward. When you plant a seed, a lot of the early growth takes place out of sight. It's the roots going down. And even as the shoot begins to go up, there's still growth going down. And he compares downward growth to us seeing who we are apart from Christ. Upward growth being seeing who we are in Christ. But we don't want to view downward growth as growth. Not in our own lives, but particularly in the lives of others. When we're looking at others, and all we're seeing is downward growth. I say, they aren't growing. That's not necessarily true. If today they are more aware of their own inabilities than they were yesterday, they've grown. Even if they haven't come at this point to embrace all that they are and have in Christ. That will follow. 
Now in this next section, you know, he's going to look back on history. You know, if we look back on church, through church history at those men and women that the Lord has used, what's interesting is the average of these was 15 years after they let, entered their life work before they came to know Jesus as their life. He says, we might consider some familiar names of believers whom God has, God obviously brought to maturity and used to His glory. Some of these names may be familiar to some of you. Uh, a lot of them may not be. Uh, in years gone by, some of them would have been more well known in Christian circles. Some of them still are, but I'll read some of them for you. Names such as Pearson, Chapman, Tuller, Moody, I think everybody recognizes D.L. Moody's name. Goforth, who was heavily involved in missions. George Mueller uh, in England, who was known for his uh, great faith. Hudson Taylor, who began the China Inland Mission, which I forget what the name of the mission is now, but Hudson Taylor. Um uh, Watt, Trumbull, F.B. Meyer, uh, uh, Andrew Murray. Some of you may have read some of Murray's writings. Havengale, uh, Guyon, maybe, Gordon, Hyde, Mantle, McCheney, McConkie, Deck, uh, Ruth Paxson. John has been reading a book by Paxson. J.B. Stoney, Sapphire, Amy Carmichael, and Hopkins. He says, the average for these was 15 years after they entered their life work before they began to know the Lord Jesus as their life. Now notice what he's saying here. He's not saying on the average it was 15 years after they got saved. It was 15 years after they began their life work. They were in ministry for 15 years before they grew to the point of really knowing Christ as their life. And it says, and ceased trying to work for Him, and it began allowing Him to be there all in all, and to do His work through them. I was at FOA for 14 years. In all 14 years, I would say, I was trying to do something for Christ. And they were hard years. It was only towards the end of our time there that I started going through green letters, started learning some of these principles up here. Some of them began sinking home a little bit more when we were in, in Fort Myers. But it really wasn't until I was in Ireland that they really, really began to hit home. When we were meeting with different couples almost every night of the week, discussing different chapters in this book, really focusing on them, it was then that a lot of this really began to impact me. It took years. And I know I started out with that, you know, I'm going to go, you know, God has laid this burden on me to serve Him, and it was a burdensome thing. It was only when I began to understand who I am and what I have in Christ 
that I began to see being involved with God as one of the most incredible privileges of His grace that He gives us. But it took time. He says, this is not to discourage us in any way, but to help us settle down with our sights on eternity by faith apprehending that which, uh, for which I am uh, apprehended in Christ Jesus. You know, taking hold of what God, Christ took hold of me for. Pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He says, I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm just encouraging you to press forward to take hold of what Christ took hold of you for. And He didn't just take hold of you so that you could struggle through this life and end up going to heaven one day. He took hold of you so that you know He might fill your life with His. So that you might become mature sons of the Most High God. Now he says, certainly this is not to discount a spirit-fostered experience, blessing, or even a crisis. He says, I'm not putting down some of the experiences and some of the blessings we might experience along the way. Even those crisis points in life where maybe God at a moment opens your eyes to something you haven't seen before. But it is to be remembered that these simply contribute to the overall and all-important process. He says these experiences, these crises, all these things, you know, they are but contributing factors in the process. He says it takes time to get to know oneself. It takes time in eternity to get to know the infinite Lord Jesus Christ. It's going to take you a while to get to know yourself. And to really see the desperate place you're in apart from Christ. In fact, I think that's a lot of the reason, one of the reasons why God allows the sin nature to uh, remain within us after salvation is to really let us come to see what He's rescuing us from. You know, we start out the Christian life, we think, well, I wasn't good enough to get in heaven, but I've got something I can offer God. Yeah, I wasn't absolutely righteous. I couldn't get in. But, you know, there, I have some good stuff to offer God. He takes Him a while to show us we don't. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes God uses us a lot in our area of talent. But I've also seen God a lot of times uses people in ways that they don't have their natural talents in. Because natural talents are too easy to take credit for. And with me, I don't see any ability to speak as being anything that comes natural to me. My natural abilities are more in working with my hands. Construction, all that kind of thing. In high school I took a test on, you know, an engineering type test. I scored in the, uh, something like the top 
2% in the nation in, in, in uh, mechanical comprehension. Yet God didn't take me in that, that field. He took me in an area where I have to depend on Him. I love working with my hands, although as I get older I get more limited in what I can do, but I love more being involved in what God's doing. So he says, today is the day to put the hand to the plow and irrevocably set our heart on His goal before us that we may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. That was Paul's desire. May that become our desire. I like this next paragraph. He says, So often in the battle, says Austin Spark, we go to the Lord and pray and plead and appeal for victory, for ascendancy, for mastery over the forces of evil and death. And our thought is that in some way the Lord is going to come in and with a mighty exercise of power and put us into a place of victory and spiritual ascendancy as in an act. In other words, He's going to say bippity-boppity-boo and it's going to happen, you know, like the fairy tales. He says we must have that mentality corrected. What the Lord does is to enlarge us to the process. He puts us through some exercise, through some experience, takes us by some way that means our spiritual expansion, an exercise of spirituality so that we occupy the place spontaneously. He said what God does is when we go to Him in prayer, He begins taking us through a process that will over time develop us to the place that we spontaneously reach that point. And he quotes from Exodus when the children of Israel were going into the land. He says, I will not drive them, that is the Canaanites, out uh, before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beast of the field multiply against thee. By little and little I will drive them out before thee until thou be increased. God doesn't just instantly do away with all of our struggles, all of our failures. Little by little, He deals with them and grows us. Says one day in the House of Commons, British Prime Minister Disraeli made a brilliant speech on the spur of the moment. That night, a friend said to him, I must tell you how much I enjoyed your extemporaneous talk. It's been on my mind all day. Madam confessed Disraeli, that extemporaneous talk has been on my mind for 20 years. You know, something that he doesn't touch on in this chapter, and I have just a couple more minutes, that did come to mind too, is when we think of the time factor, we have to consider the fact that God is also, that we're part of a much bigger picture. And that what God is doing in our lives is also tied to what He's doing in a lot of other lives. You know, in the book of Genesis, when you get to the life of Joseph, there's Joseph in prison. And he interprets the dreams of the uh, the two men and and to the uh, 
chief cupbearer, he tells him, you know, don't forget me when you stand before Pharaoh. He didn't say that to the baker who was going to get killed. He didn't figure that would be a good reference. Uh, but he said it to the chief cupbearer. And the chief cupbearer proceeded to forget for three years. Now we might say, well, God hadn't yet finished preparing Joseph. He needed three more years. And maybe that was the case, but maybe not. There were a lot of others involved. There was Pharaoh. There was the nation of Israel. There was Jacob. There were the ten sons of Jacob that had sold Joseph into slavery. When Joseph finally gets elevated and his brothers come, we see that God has wrought a major change in their lives. That took time. See, at times we pray and, and, and we think we're ready for something, and maybe we are, but maybe the other end of the equation is not. When Joe and Ellen and I were going to Ireland, it took us four years to raise support. And you know, we felt early on we were ready to go. And only the Lord knows whether we really were or not. But at three and a half years, all of a sudden the support came in very, very rapidly over a six month period of time. And after we'd been in Ireland, we we learned that six months before we went over there, the group we ended up with had, had asked that a missionary been, be placed in their midst, and they began praying for it. If we had gone before that six months, we'd have been put in a very different position, working with very different people, and I don't think we'd have fit in where, where they were planning to put us. See, we felt we were ready, but they weren't ready. God had to hold us back while He worked over there. And I used to, you know, tell my students this. I said, look, you know, some of them, you know, you have these speakers who get up and it's so urgent. You need to get there. People are dying. You need to hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. I appreciated one speaker we had speak to the faculty one year. He said there's only one thing that's truly urgent, and that is that we be where the Lord wants us today, doing what the Lord wants us to do today. That's the only true urgency there is. But some of the they're so wanting to go, and sometimes the support doesn't come in, and so they're going to plow ahead without the support. And then a lot of times God has to slow them down another way. He said, when God is ready for you, He will provide the means. And when you go, will have a lot to do with who you end up working with. And God knows that equation. We see such a small portion of what God is doing. We can see a little bit of what He's doing in our own individual life. But we don't see that big picture. And time plays into that. Because God's not just working in my life. He's intertwining my life with others. And sometimes He may have to slow things down for me 
while He's bringing somebody else along. Or maybe they're further along and they're waiting on me to catch up. But we've got to trust God with the time. Incredibly, incredibly important. Now, we'll close in prayer in a minute. But before I do, let me just make an announcement. Um, next Sunday, we won't have Sunday school because of the Bible conference. We'll all be uh, in there for Scott. And then, instead of having prayer on the fourth Sunday this month, we're going to have prayer on the fifth Sunday. On the fourth Sunday, I'll teach Sunday school. Uh, and that's because... Uh, the day after the fourth Sunday, I'm having my knee replaced. And that gives me two weeks to kind of recover uh, before uh, I have to be back to teaching. So uh, to just get that in your mind. This month, prayer will be on the fifth Sunday. Uh, we will have Sunday school on the fourth Sunday uh, this month. So let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank You that You love us enough to take all the time that is necessary to grow us and to conform us to the image of your dear Son. Lord, may He become more and more a focus. May we not be focused on what we're going to do for You and how we're going to fix our lives, but may we be focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, may we be transformed by Him. Look forward, Lord, to the day when we will take our place as mature sons in your household. But until that day comes, may we walk by faith day by day, growing little by little, trusting you to finish the work you've begun in each of our lives. First, in the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.